Hey guys, it's Joy. And this is a bonus episode. We have Laura Ligos, the sassy dietitian, back, but this time it's just her. We wanted to do something new and try a guest series. So in the next coming weeks, you're going to see some bonus episodes from some of our favorite guests and podcast hosts. Laura Ligos has been on our show a few times. You may recognize her voice. She's wonderful. She's very knowledgeable. She's a registered dietitian. And you can find more out about her by going to The Sassy Dietitian on all of the socials. Here's Laura Ligos answering questions about health, wellness, nutrition. If you have any other guest suggestions or you want to see more of something, email us. This is Joy and Claire at gmail.com. All right, here's Laura. Hey friends, this is Laura Lagos, aka Sassy or the Sassy Dietitian. So excited to be back on This is Joy and Claire and I'm here solo. So hopefully I can be somewhat entertaining um, without your beloved host, but they asked me to record a podcast about um, whatever it is that I wanted. So we're going to talk about nutrition because while I certainly would love to talk about other topics, I think that this is the topic that a lot of the followers and listeners have a lot of questions on. So I asked my listeners, I'm not on a podcast, I asked my followers <laughs> what they would like to know if I were to talk to myself for, I don't know, say 30 plus minutes, what would they want to hear about? And um, I got a lot of good top good topics. So I figured we'll go through them today. Who knows how far I'll get because I'm sure I'll go off tangent, but there won't be anyone here to redirect me. So wish me luck. <laughs> um, if you do get, if you guys do have more questions, feel free to reach out to me at the Sassy Dietitian on Instagram. Um, I do a Q&A every Wednesday. Um, it's the best time to ask your question because that's when I allot some time to sit down and answer them. Um, but otherwise, here I am today talking all about food, nutrition, and fitness and everything in between. The first question I had, which I thought would be fun to start with, is what do I personally eat in a day? I find this question fascinating, not because of I think I eat anything fascinating, but just because people are so dang curious about what people eat. If you go onto YouTube, you can find so many people talking about what they ate in a day. <laughs> and I understand because I like to kind of go down that rabbit hole too. But just a disclaimer is that first off, when people talk about what they eat in a day, often they're going to edit it. So it's going to be a day where, you know, they're thinking more about what they're eating and they're putting a little bit more effort into what they're eating. So I'm not saying this to call people out, but I think that we idealize, idealize, is that even a word? <laughs> no one here to correct me. So we look at, we look at what they're eating and we think, wow, this must be perfect, right? Like I want to eat like them. And normally we're asking someone who we want to be like, whether we want to look like them as, you know, physically as a person, or we want to look like them as far as they are emotionally um, and mentally. And I think probably more people with me, they probably want to know because I also have the expertise in nutrition, right? So they want to know, well, what the heck does a dietitian eat in a day? And this question is just, it's so interesting because it really depends. Like I don't have a hard and fast rule of what I eat in a day. Um, and I have to tell you right now, um, I'm not coaching anymore at my CrossFit gym just for a few different reasons, but life got really busy. 
And that used to dictate a little bit differently what I would eat versus what I eat now, because I would be out of the house by four or 5 a.m. And now I don't have to get out of bed until after 6 a.m. So um, things have changed and that's okay. And I think that people get nervous when things change, not just nutritionally, but obviously in general. Um, and so I have to remind people that your diet will change over time. And diet is a noun. Been on here before talking about that. Um, it's not a verb. It's not something we are actively trying to restrict or control. It's something that we just habitually eat in a day. And that's going to change. It's going to look different in different seasons of our lives. And that's okay. And I'm in a different season of my life right now. So if you were to ask me this question, even a few months ago, a year ago, a few years ago, it would look different. So that being said, you shouldn't look at what I eat and say, oh, well, I should just mimic what she eats because obviously that will be, you know, the dietitian is saying it, so it must be good to eat. Um, but I'll kind of talk you through what I eat in a day and then um, we'll kind of go from there. But <laughs> hopefully you find it interesting. I typically wake up, I drink a glass of water. I typically have a snack like a rice cake and peanut butter, a protein ball. I think that's kind of all I go through. And then I go on a nice long walk with my dog. Uh, I personally like to wake up and eat first thing in the morning. I didn't used to be like this, but I find that my energy levels are a lot more stable by eating first thing in the morning. Um, when I get back from walking him, my little Bodhi bear, he is wild and crazy. If you don't follow me on Instagram, by all means, his Instagram is my Instagram. <laughs> but after that, I eat an avocado toast, two pieces of avocado toast with eggs on top. Um, I absolutely love eggs. I eat the whole dang thing. And sometimes I'll have like fruit on the side of that or some extra carb if I'm feeling like I need it. If I'm drinking coffee, coffee and more water. And then normally I have a mid-morning snack. It might be a perfect bar. It might be a piece of fruit. It might be some yogurt and fruit. It really depends on my hunger at that point. But I do try to eat something mid-morning because if I don't, I find either what happens is that I'm ravenous by lunch and I'll just eat everything that's not tied down or I suppress my appetite and then I don't eat until far too late. Um, then I eat lunch. Lunch can be a mixed bag of tricks. It can be leftovers. Um, it could be, I like to make like a, I don't know what you'd call it, like a snack plate and it'll have some sort of protein on there. So maybe some meat and cheese, egg, hard-boiled eggs, something like that. Some carbs in the form of vegetables like baby carrots and sliced peppers or uh, and or a piece of fruit. Um, and then normally I have like some hummus on there, maybe some olives, um, basically like, you know, an adult charcuterie board, because let's be honest, we all would love to eat that on the regular. That's something like my go to lately. But in the, in the winter, I'll often do like soup and a sandwich. In the summer, I'll often do a salad because it's nice and light, but it kind of changes. I'm lucky I work from home, so I get to change it up, but I often have it planned out. Normally, I have a mid-afternoon snack. It might be something healthy, like if I haven't had carrots and hummus yet, I'll have carrots and hummus or pretzels and hummus. Um, it might be something that, you know, probably considered taboo for a dietitian to eat, but like I just ate pumpkin Cheerios, so they were delicious and I have no regrets. But I normally eat something because I typically work out in the like early evening, like between five and six. So I normally make sure that I have something at least two hours beforehand so that I can digest. And then dinner is could literally be anything. Last night we made a cauliflower, rice, and chicken sausage stir fry, and it was delicious. I just loaded it up with veggies, 
that I had in the fridge in the freezer and I put some soy sauce and and probably some hot sauce on it because I like spice and that was that and then if I'm hungry after dinner I will eat Um, but if I'm not hungry I won't and normally at that point I just let my hunger dictate and the reason I let it do that is because often if I eat enough during the day I won't feel hungry at night but if I don't eat enough during the day I don't deny myself when I'm hungry at night so hopefully that answers your question I don't know if it's like all that exciting but people always want to know so I figured you know what better place to do it than here um, and remember, this is what I eat in a day and it's based on what I need active-wise and it also is what I need hunger-wise. And some days I'll eat more, some days I'll eat less and I don't really worry about it. I don't sit there and think, wow, I'm so hungry today. I can't believe I'm so hungry. Like what's wrong with me? Instead, I'm like, wow, I'm hungry today. What should I eat? Um, and so I just kind of go with it. So that's kind of that. Um, the next topic that I really kind of wanted to talk about was this whole gray area in nutrition. And you might have no idea what I'm talking about if you've never listened to me before, but it's this gray space that I personally think I live in. (laughs) I live there with my clients. I live there with myself. Um, I feel like I've always been a little bit of a rebel. I also feel like I'm one of those people who I can see both sides of a lot of arguments. And so I really like to dig in the middle and figure out how to pull the positives from the middle and help them meet the individual's needs and goals. So what I mean by this gray area is it's, here's the thing, it's not sexy, right? Yeah, it's super sexy to be like, hey, you want a six pack? And then you can be like, yeah, of course I want that. Let me purchase. And where you can be like, hey, do you want food freedom? Great, purchase my plan. And there's nothing wrong with either of those approaches. Well, okay, there's some things wrong with them. But here's the thing is that they're not right for everyone. And so a lot of people fall victim to this trap of like, okay, I'm seeing this before and after picture, whether it's of a body or a mentality or emotion or whatever it might be. And now all of a sudden like, oh, I want this to be me. And then the second we fail, we just assume that we failed as opposed to the approach failing us. And that's why you'll never see me sharing or selling, I should say, a diet or a shred or a challenge or any of those things, because I feel like (laughs) I'm not a very good liar. And so I feel like I would be horrendous at selling something like that. I literally would not be able to. (laughs) I'd be like, hey, you want to buy a six pack? And then I'd have like, you know, a six pack of kombucha or beer or something like that, because that's my humor. And (laughs) I'd be like, no, no, you can actually buy the six pack, Um, but I'm not actually selling you a program for a six pack because after all, abs are just genetic. You all have them. Every single human has abdominal muscles. It's just a matter of if they are ones that are toned and or if they're ones that are going to show Um, Even at my leanest, I don't think I've ever had a six pack. And at my leanest, I was training two hours a day for swimming, competitive swimmer. And in college, like not knowing how to feed myself. (laughs) And I was definitely, I've always had a strong core, but I've never had a six pack. And does that mean I was unhealthy? No, it just meant that my genetics are, I probably will never have a six pack. And you know what? There's no shame in that. And nobody cares. I still have plenty of friends who love and adore me. And it's never because of my, I don't have a six pack. Although maybe it is. Maybe I should ask them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, so this whole space, this whole gray area is one that's hard to, it's hard to kind of 
figure out how to fit in. I think a lot of us like to live in boxes. We like to be a certain, you know, political party. We like to be a certain religion. We like to be a certain horoscope or astrology sign, right? We like to like fit into these boxes and be able to identify with a certain type or group. And so I think the same thing goes for nutrition, right? It's like we want to have that identity. We want to be able to say, oh, I'm keto. Oh, oh, I'm paleo. Oh, way clean. Or, oh, I, I do the whole 30. And while I think there's principles from almost every diet that you could technically pull and say, yeah, there, this is a good aspect of this diet. Chances are that the average person needs a mixture of all the above and then some. And that's really where I think all these diets fail is that they're not looking at the individual. They're looking at the group and they're also looking at extreme results, which is a problem, right? Because you look at the biggest loser and that's a whole nother terrible uh, human science experiment that we went down in the early 2000s. And you look at a lot of the biggest losers now and most of them have gained their weight back and then some. And it's because the way that they lost the weight was just not sustainable for them. You know, a lot of them went back to their lives and their families and their jobs, and they were just unable to maintain the low amount of calories they were being given and the high amount of exercise that they were being told to do. It just wasn't sustainable. So unfortunately, that's what I see in a lot of these diets is just, you know, there's no, there's no plan for what happens after the diet. So these programs don't really give you insight into what you should be doing after the program, right? They give you a lot of like, here's what to do in the middle of the program. Oh, and here's how to transition. But really, they didn't give you the tools within their program to actually be successful afterwards. So that's where I see a lot of them failing is that it's an all or nothing approach. And so what I see with a lot of my clients is that they just fall victim to this all or nothing approach. Um, I think I've said it probably many times on this podcast, but you think about if you were to trip up the stairs, right? You wouldn't stand up and keep tripping yourself intentionally. You would pick yourself up and keep walking. No big deal, right? We all fall down. We all have scrapes and cuts and and bruises from life, but we don't let that define us. And we don't constantly throw ourselves on the ground or up the stairs or down the stairs or whichever way you want to look at it, right? Instead, we learn from it and we try to do better. And sometimes we slip and fall, but we always pick ourselves back up. And that's the the struggle with this whole diet culture is that we just fall victim to this all or nothing approach as if that if we aren't dieting and we aren't doing exactly what we're supposed to do for a certain set of rules, depending on what macro coach or macro company or diet company told us to do, then it must not work. And so then we must be quote unquote bad. We must be bad in our diet, right? I think a lot of people use all that negativity around their diet and it makes me sad like there's just so much guilt and shame and fear around food and I think that's caused through this whole black or white all or nothing approach of diet culture so I feel like I live in the space between this whole diet world of between macros and between intuitive eating I think that I use those two as my scale. I think that, you know, that could be really oversimplifying it because there's also different arms and legs of diet culture like keto and fasting and multi-level marketing companies pushing supplements and all these different things. So when I say macros and intuitive eating, it's because the majority of people who come to me 
are either thinking they have to be in one camp or the other. And my whole thinking is why? You know, intuitive eating is a concept. It's a goal. It's an ideal. It's something that would be really nice to be able to always be able to do. It's like a mindset. Macros, on the other hand, is a tool to help you figure out how much food you should be eating, when you should be eating, etc. And so both are just completely different concepts that I think can be interwoven together and used as tools and concepts and mindsets in your personal diet. And what I mean by that is, you know, for me, for instance, is I think that I'm relatively intuitive, but there's times when I've had to bring tracking into my life because I recognize I wasn't sure what was wrong. I knew that my energy was waning or I wasn't seeing improvements in the gym or my sleep was really off. And when those things happen, often I can't intuitively say, oh, duh, it's because I didn't have any protein at breakfast today. Yes, one-offs, I probably can do it, but that's because it's also my job. But more often than not, I can't tell you if I realize that or not. And so sometimes tracking can come really into play and help me realize, I've done it a few times in my life, of like, oh, wow, protein is normally like my biggest weakness. I just don't eat enough of it. Um, I don't crave it as much. And if I don't plan it, it doesn't happen. So it's almost like I have this intuitive mindset and ideal, but in reality, Hunger cues get, you know, mixed up in translation, especially when you're tired and busy and your focus is elsewhere. And so you need a tool like tracking or macro counting to help you understand how you're doing. And I think people just think, well, if I'm not doing all or nothing with macros, then what's the point? You know, I saw such success while on it, but now I'm off it and I don't see any success. If anything, I see a detriment to my mental health because I don't know how to live without macros. So for a lot of my clients, what we'll do is we will, if they're coming from a macro approach, we'll transition them from macro tracking to just regular food and mood tracking. So looking at what they're eating and how they're feeling around food, but not tracking every last bit of food that goes into their body. And then we try to transition away from it and say, could you do without it? And if you can, great, but also recognize you can come back to it. And something that like, if you wanted to track one day out of the year, you could, there's nothing to say you couldn't. So that's my little spiel on that. But I live in the gray area. I don't think that's one size fits all. And what I hate is that most of the people who are selling you these programs or platforms or challenges or macro coaching is they also say that they don't believe one size fits all. But it's weird because it seems as though I'll get clients from a group of these programs and they're all doing the same thing. So I'm like, well, if you don't believe one size fits all, then why are all the people doing the exact same thing? Why are they weighing themselves daily? Why is their fat constantly below 50 grams per day? Which, by the way, is not healthy for almost any female. Um, so, you know, that that's something to kind of think of is like, oh, so they're basically using a cookie cutter model on me and making slight tweaks so that I can maybe see some success. Um, but unfortunately, it tends to be super cookie cutter and forgetting that the individual is really, really dynamic. So that being said, I had a ton of questions about weight loss. And I think that's something I'll probably always deal with in my career. Um, I don't consider myself a weight loss dietitian, but I certainly can give you tips and tools to lose weight should you need to. And people ask, can you lose weight? Um, can you lose weight doing intuitive, intuitive eating? So kind of track getting away from macros without being a victim of diet culture. And could you also lose weight, you know, by 
just you looking at quality over quantity. And my kind of, my probably long-winded approach would be that yes, you can lose weight by not tracking your macros. I think there's a lot of people out there on Instagram saying that like you can't manage what you don't measure, right? Which is a great quote in the business field. And I think that it does apply to a lot of different scenarios, but I don't think that losing weight is a scenario where you have to track everything that goes into your body. And the reason I don't believe that is because here's the thing, you might be successful short term in doing that. But let me just ask you this question is when you're in your 80s, do you want to use my fitness pal? Do you want to be that woman who is tracking her food while she's playing bingo? Just think about it. Sorry, men, you too. Do you want to be, you know, 80 and golfing and and saying, hold on, when we get this drink at the ninth hole, I'm going to go record this. My guess is no. My guess is at that point, you would hope to be so free from food, you're just living your life while, while eating consciously, but you're not constantly tracking everything that goes into your body. So just kind of a, a thought concept of, okay, when I'm in my 80s, 90s, or beyond, what I want to what I want to be tracking. If the answer is no, then we need to get away from that mentality of all or nothing with tracking and realize that the tool you can use it sometimes, not all the time, and move forward from it. That being said, how do you lose weight without tracking? And here's the thing is I think that there's a lot of value in planning your meals. And when I say this, I think people think that I mean like a perfect meal plan, right? Like one you'd see on Pinterest, like all your breakfast, all your lunch, all your dinner, all your snacks is perfectly planned out for the the week. And while it's not to say you couldn't do this, but I also believe that that's not sustainable because now once again, we're in that all or nothing mentality. So instead, just having some foresight into what's my week going to look like? What nights am I not going to be able to cook something from scratch? And maybe I need to plan just to eat out that night. No big deal. And having this foresight, I found, has given a lot of people the freedom to eat foods that may not be quote unquote good for them, like getting pizza with the family or, or getting ice cream with a friend, because then it's planned. I feel like there's just a lot more. I don't feel like I know there tends to be less shame and less guilt when we plan it out. So, you know, I'm not saying plan every meal like it looks like a Pinterest board, but instead plan it so that you're aware of when you might need to eat out and Oftentimes, by doing that, people feel almost this release of guilt because there's no reason you can't eat out and still lose weight. There's no reason that you can eat off plan, quote unquote, and not lose weight. But the problem is, is that I think a lot of us, and this is something that I've been digging into with a lot of my clients recently, is that a lot of us just think of the ideal. We think to ourselves, okay, this week, I'm not going to eat out at all, and I'm going to work out five days a week. Okay, that sounds great, right? That sounds exactly like what we want to happen, but is that realistic? So instead of being idealistic, we need to come back down to reality and be realistic. So instead, maybe I look at my week and say, wow, my Thursday is jam-packed with meetings and I know for a fact Thursdays are days we end up having less food in the house because we've already eaten it all Monday through Wednesday. So if I have time, okay, why don't we have the whole family chip in and we'll make grilled pizzas or something? Or why don't we plan to order out that night? So that way I don't have to be scrounging for something and we end up doing fast food. You know, maybe instead we order from our favorite taco place um, and we just know and we don't feel shameful about it. We just plan it into our week. 
that's far more realistic than saying, oh, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll make salads or something super healthy Thursday night. I can guarantee you by Thursday night, you're going to be exhausted. So just be realistic. Same goes with working out. <laughs> I mean, in an ideal world, we'd all love to work out five days a week. But in reality, for a lot of us, it just doesn't happen. We have a lot of other responsibilities. And we look to these CrossFit Games athletes and these Fitspo influencers and you know, they have the bodies they do because they work out 24 seven and they sleep a whole heck of a lot and they have time to make food because that's their entire life. If that's not your life, if you're currently working a job or two, taking care of kids, dogs, cats, whatever it might be, have a mortgage to pay and also have other life goals and responsibilities that have nothing to do with winning the CrossFit Games then perhaps we need to be more realistic and say, okay, five days a week is great. But whenever I set myself up for five days a week, it ends up being one or two or maybe nothing because I just feel like a failure for not being able to do five days a week. Instead, why don't you hit something realistic of like, all right, looking at this week, it looks super busy. I think I can work out three days this week, one at the gym, one run and one at home, right? That sounds a little bit more realistic. Is it ideal? Would you like to do five workouts at the gym? Probably, but you just have to be realistic with yourself. And that's where I think a lot of people struggle with the weight loss journey because it's that all or nothing approach that I have to be all intuitive or all macro or working out all the time in order to be successful as opposed to saying, you know what, what if I was just more consistent and realistic? And that's not sexy, I know. And the results tend to take longer. Progress is slower. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It just means that in order to achieve your goals, it's going to take a much longer time to get there. However, it's going to be more sustainable and feel more doable. I have clients tell me, wow, I feel like you know, I felt like day to day I wasn't doing much, but now I look back and I've done so much and I've see I see success. I see weight loss or body composition change or mental mental change in the way I think about my food or all the above. And it's often because we put tiny changes into place, not these big giant changes of all or nothing, black or white or um, sexy six pack. <laughs> and so it's just it's just not I understand it's not as alluring. And it doesn't feel as drastic, but I can promise you it's what's more long lasting and sustainable. Um, but, you know, to the argument of what's more important, like is quality more important than quantity or is quantity more important than quality when it comes to weight loss? And here's the thing. If you were look to look on paper, quantity is more important. That doesn't mean you have to track every last macro. Maybe it's just portion size or it's going to be real mind blower for a lot of you, maybe you just need to slow down at mealtimes or sit down when you're eating. So often I feel like people are like, oh, I'm starving all the time. I'm like, well, if you were eating in the car or standing at the refrigerator or during a meeting, did you even notice that you were eating? Did your mind register that you were eating? Did you even chew your food? Did you put your fork down between bites? My guess is no. And so you also have to help your body that way of actually being intentional at mealtimes, thinking about what you're eating, enjoying the food you're eating, and you're probably going to be more satisfied with that. So that's kind of the gray area nutrition that I live in and that I think a lot of people could benefit from hanging out more time there. But that's that's that. And if you have questions, obviously I can't hear you right now. 
you can certainly shout them at your radio, but um, feel free to reach out and ask me to dig into that deeper. <laughs> I then thought of, because the some of the topics were fad diet related, so I thought of a topic or a segment called fad, fad diets trends that just can die already, that can just die already, something like that. It was way better in my head when I said it, but now on paper, it just looks sound silly. But the first one is fasting. A lot of people ask me about fasting. And here's the thing. There is some research out there to show that fasting can be beneficial for long-term health and pro- or uh, slowing the progression of aging. You can't prevent aging, but you can slow the progression of what aging does to the body. That being said, this isn't meant to be an extreme. And this is what happens with fad diets. It's like, oh, cool. There's a research study showing that I could slow the progression of aging. Let me now do it 24-7 because now I'm going to see all, reap all these benefits. Hold up. No. I see fasting working for mostly men and or women in menopause. And reason being is those women tend to be more hormonally identical to men at that point. But women of reproductive age, no, I don't like any of my women fasting. I mean, technically, if we really want to go there, every single person fasts unless you wake up in the middle of the night and have a midnight snack. So if you go to bed, let's say you go to bed at 10 p.m. and you wake up at 6 a.m., would that be an eight-hour fast? The answer is yes. Once again, unless you were eating in your bed without yourself knowing. I guess as you're not, um, I recognize that that is a problem and there are people who do suffer from that, but the majority of people, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about most of you, you might probably, it's probably even longer than an eight hour fast because most of you are not eating right before you go to bed. A lot of you are stopping eating at like eight or 9 PM whenever you're done eating for the day. And then you're not eating the second you wake up. Some are, some aren't. But so for some people, this could turn into a 12-hour fast without even meaning to, without even thinking about it. So it's not that you're not fasting. Everyone has points that they're going to. But generally speaking, we need to get away from this concept because what I find for most females is one, your hormones and your cortisol and a lot of other factors, they, they really like consistent intake. So, you know, eating at normal intervals as opposed to eating at just like a five hour window in the day. But also I find that what happens is by fasting, you might feel okay during the fast, but then the second you start eating, you, you literally have no control over what you're eating. You're just eating everything that's not bolted down. So there's a, there's a few problems there, right? Is that not getting enough protein or food first thing in the morning to support healthy hormones and blood sugar balance. Now all day, your body is going through like a, on a roller coaster ride. And then when you do finally eat, you have no control over what you're eating because you're just completely famished. So you end up eating things that you probably wouldn't eat otherwise, or maybe you eat them in a volume that you wouldn't eat them otherwise. So I guess I should take a breath. Um, I, I just don't see the benefit for women of reproductive age. Now, that's the majority of people I work with. But at the same token, I don't know that I find it beneficial for a lot of men either. If it fits within your life, men, maybe like if you find that, you know, you do better off by waking up and then finally eating something at 11 a.m. at your desk, but you find you have control over what you're eating throughout the day and you feel like your energy is stable throughout the day, you have no troubles falling asleep or staying asleep, okay, fine, it might be working for you. However, I would say I do not blanket statement say everyone needs to fast. Um, if you do, If you do it for 
religious reasons, well then fine, sure. That's not what we're talking about. That's for a different reason. You're doing it because you're honoring some part of your religion and it really has nothing to do with, oh, me trying to, you know, diet or restrict myself for dietary or nutritional purposes. So that's a fad that can just die already. It's not to say that you're not going to ever fast, but it shouldn't be something that you are physically putting an alarm on your phone and saying, I am not going to eat until 11 a.m. and I have to stop eating at 7 p.m. because it might work short term, which it does for many people, but long term, I can guarantee it's not going to be sustainable. What if your friend asks you out to breakfast and breakfast is at 9 a.m.? What are you going to do? Huh? You going to turn your friend down? You're going to live your life and go eat with them? What are you going to do? So just thought, (laughs) just a little thought and sass for you. And then the second one that I think just needs to die already is keto. And I recognize that keto works for some, but it does not work for all. It was a diet that was meant for for the treatment of epileptic children. And it just did not cure their seizures. It helped to reduce the amount and frequency of their seizures. And people have found that, oh, look, I go keto, I lose weight. Well, congratulations. When you don't eat carbs, you're not pulling as much water into your cells. So therefore, you lost water weight. And that's why when you go and eat carbs again, you put it all back on and then some. So I don't believe in keto for my population, which tends to be women of reproductive age. Um, it may be beneficial for some men and for some women who are postmenopausal. Um, people may find that they do well, and I should caveat this, is that they should, they might do well with a low-carb diet, not a keto diet. So keto diet and low-carb diet seem to be synonymous in the diet culture. And what people don't realize is if you are doing a keto diet, you are must be tracking your ketones. So you must be doing a blood test or a breath test to gauge if you're producing ketones. So ketones are, instead of using glucose for energy, you can use ketones for energy. Um, If you notice that someone has like really stinky breath all the time, it could be because they're in ketosis all the time. Um, (laughs) That's neither here nor there. But thing is, is that most people who do a quote unquote keto diet are just low carb. And so that could be good for someone who is mostly inactive and looking to lose weight. Um, It could be good for someone who just feels better on a higher fat diet. Um, So I'm not really, I'm not going to go into all the nuances of low carb because low carb means something different to everybody. But I promise you, being on the keto diet is a lot more work than is necessary. And also I find that if you really don't medically need it, it's just not sustainable. Once again, if you're going to go out to, to lunch or dinner with your friends and you all of a sudden have to eat keto, like, sorry, but you're going to have to get creative or it's just not going to be enjoyable. You're not going to have that glass of wine, um, which would be a real, real downer. Um, but definitely not going to have dessert because most places aren't going to have a keto dessert. Um, so yeah, it's one of those fads that can just die already, except for the people who it's meant for. All right. So I'm going to finish this off with two, two bits. One is people always ask me how to find balance. And the sec- the last is I'm going to share how I order at Starbucks. So hold on for that. <laughs> Um, but the thing is, is that there's no such thing as balance. There's no perfect work-life balance. There's no perfect diet and exercise balance, but the key is to prioritize what matters. So here's the thing is that I, I tell all of my clients this, and I don't know if it's embarrassing or not, cause I don't find it embarrassing is that I literally put 
walk Bodhi, who is my dog, on every single day of the week. I put it on my schedule. Why? One, it's really fun to check off. I mean, who doesn't like to check something off their to-do list? But two, it is a priority. It's something that I know I feel better if I start the day with, and I know he feels better if we start the day with. So it gets done. It's prioritized and it gets done. I know that I feel better with breakfast. So I make sure that on my grocery list and my meal plan for the week, I write out breakfast options. So maybe it's that I don't know what I want, but I have enough mix-ins to make oatmeal or a yogurt parfait or an avocado toast egg sandwich. I have those options so that I know that they're going to be readily available so I don't get to, you know, 3 p.m. and wonder why I want to chew my arm off. Um, I also think that finding balance, especially in the nutrition and health field, means that you need to stop focusing on just weight loss. It's not to say that weight loss shouldn't be a priority. It shouldn't be something that you look, you look to if you know it could help you feel better, help your joints, help your sleep, help your blood sugar balance, help your hormones. Like there are benefits of losing weight, but if that's all you're focused on, I guarantee that it won't be enough to drive you. So focusing elsewhere can be super helpful. And then finally, stop focusing on the ideal and instead focus on the realistic. So finding balance, I think, is found by being realistic. It's not found by being idealistic. So me saying I want to work out five days a week is not balance because that means if I have to work out five days a week, it might mean that I'm missing meetings at work or you know I'm not able to do something with my family. So being more realistic, like three days a week, if I get five, cool, with bonus, I get bonus points. <laughs> but if I only do three, now I'm finding that balance of I'm working out regularly and I'm also able to partake in family events and work events. And then that's it. That's all for the balance. <laughs> the last one is, so I love coffee. There's no hiding that. Um, but we're getting to the time of year where there's really good drinks at Starbucks and this can go for anywhere. So if you're like, mm, I'm like Starbucks, I like my corner coffee shop, by all means, great. You can do this there too, but customizing your drink can make a big difference. And people forget that they're like, Oh, I just want the pumpkin spice latte, but I'm told it's not good for me. So I don't know what to do. Listen, your girl, sassy, she orders a pumpkin spice latte a few times in the, in the fall. And why do I do that? Because it's delicious Two, I like getting coffee. I like when someone else makes me coffee. Hello. And three, I don't know what three was, but, um, here's the thing is that customize, customize, customize. You can do this anywhere. And it's not being annoying. It's not being nitpicky. It's just saying, I want my cake and I, I want to have my cake and eat it too. And that's where you can kind of tie in the whole quality plus quantity, right? Of like pumpkin spice latte, the way it is, is probably not the healthiest. We can all guarantee that four pumps of any sauce from Starbucks is probably not going to be the healthiest for us. So instead, you can look and say, okay, what if I just got one pump? The way I order pumpkin spice latte is I get the grande. I only get one pump of pumpkin, no whipped cream. I switch out the milk if I'm feeling something different. Bam, deliciousness in a cup, not too sweet. Feel like I'm getting it. I'm getting a nice little treat and then move on with my life. You can even ask for a half a pump if you want. Um, they're, they're more than willing to do that for you. But know that you can customize. Same goes for the pumpkin cream cold brew. So good. One, you can make your own. I have it on my website. And two, if you want to do your own, ask for no vanilla, one pump pumpkin, and the pumpkin spice topping. And now you've cut your sugar down significantly while still getting the joy that is pumpkin in a cup. 
So that's my two cents on that. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed me talking to myself. Um, but Joy and Claire will be back if they're not already. I can't wait to talk to them because I love them both dearly. And I also love the outro music. So hopefully you can jam out to that. Um, but you can find me on the sassydietitian.com or Instagram at the sassy dietitian. And I'm happy to chat with you there. Um, you can see my dog Bodie in action and you can see my coffee creation. So thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys later.